Hello, this is Dr. Ben Xianqian, the Editor-in-Chief of Haridun. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The first article of the July 2023 issue is titled Sudden Cardiac Arrest During the COVID-19 Pandemic, a Two-Year Prospective Evaluation in a North American Community. In a prospective study of Ventura County, California, 2020 population 843,000, 44.1% Hispanic. The authors compared sudden cardiac arrest instance and outcomes during the first two years of the COVID-19 pandemic to the prior four years. Overall, age standardized annual sudden cardiac arrest instance increased from 39 per 100,000 pre-pandemic to 54 per 100,000 during the pandemic. The authors conclude that the overall sudden cardiac arrest rates remained consistently higher and the survival outcomes consistently lower with exaggerated effects during COVID-19 infection peaks. This longer evaluation uncovered higher increases in sudden cardiac arrest instance among Hispanics with worse resuscitation profiles. The next article is Cardiac Index a superior parameter of cardiac function than left ventricular ejection fraction in risk stratification of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. A total of 927 HCM patients were enrolled. Reduced cardiac index was defined as a cardiac index of less than or equal to 2.42 liter per minute per meter square. During a median follow-up of 4.3 years, Reduced cardiac index independently increased the risk of cardiovascular death, sudden cardiac death, and all-cause death. The addition of reduced left ventricular ejection fraction failed to improve the original model. Better predictive accuracy for all endpoints was also indicated in reduced cardiac index than in reduced left ventricular ejection fraction. The authors conclude that reduced cardiac index is an independent predictor of poor prognosis in HCM patients. The reduced cardiac index showed better predicted accuracy than reduced left ventricular ejection fraction for all endpoints. Up next is causes and clinical consequences of inappropriate shocks experienced by patients wearing a cardioverter defibrillator. The FDA Manufacturers and User Facility Device Experience, or MAUDI, database was searched for inappropriate shock adverse events that were reported during 2021 and 2022. The authors found that the life vest wearable cardioverter defibrillator, or WCD, may deliver inappropriate shock caused by atrial fibrillation, supraventricular tachycardia, non-sustained VT and VF, motion artifacts, and oversensing of electrical signals. These shocks may be arrhythmogenic, resulting in injuries, precipitate WCD discontinuation, and they consume medical resources. Improved WCD sensing, rhythm discrimination, and methods to avoid inappropriate shock are needed. Coming up is the utility of a multi-purpose caster for transvenous extraction of old broken leads. 
a novel technique for fragile, uh, for fragile leads. In total, 345 consecutive patients who underwent transvenous lead extraction were retrospectively analyzed. Extractions were performed using a laser sheath laser, a bird polypropylene telescoping sheath, and evolution RL alone or in combination. 27 leads implanted for more than 10 years had lead separation. A multi-purpose caster was used to protect the fragile leads from further damage. All leads were completely extracted. You also conclude that all distal tip to proximal ring electrode separated leads were successfully removed using laser and other sheaths with the assistance of a multi-purpose caster without any part of the leads remaining in the heart. The next one is rate and nature of complications of conduction system pacing compared with right ventricular pacing. Results of a propensity-matched analysis from a multicenter registry. A total of 10,029 consecutive patients undergoing pacemaker implantation with conduction system pacing or right ventricular pacing were enrolled. During a main, mean follow-up duration of 18 months, device-related complications were observed in 19 patients. Patients with his bundle pacing showed a significantly higher rate of device-related complications than did patients with right ventricular pacing and the patients with left bundle branch area pacing. Most of the complications observed in patients with his bundle pacing were lead-related. The authors conclude that conduction system pacing was associated with the risk of complications similar to that of right ventricular pacing. Considering his bundle pacing and the left bundle branch area pacing separately, his bundle pacing showed a significantly higher risk of complications than did both right ventricular pacing and left bundle branch area pacing, where left bundle branch area pacing showed a risk of complications similar to that of RV pacing. Up next is predicting all-cause mortality by means of multi-sensor implantable defibrillator algorithm for heart failure monitoring. The HeartLogic algorithm of Boston Scientific is a predictor of impending heart failure decompensation. The purpose of this study was to determine whether remotely monitored data from this algorithm could be used to identify patients at high risk of mortality. The feature was activated in 568 ICD patients from 26 centers during a median follow-up of 26 months. 1,200 alerts were recorded in 370 patients, or 65%. After multivariate corre uh, correction for baseline confounders, the in-alert state remain significantly associated with the occurrence of death with a hazard ratio of 9.18. The authors conclude that the HeartLogic algorithm provides an index that can be used to identify patients at higher risk for all-cause mortality. The index state identifies periods of significantly increased risk of death. Coming up is variation in hospital use of CRTD among eligible patients and the association with clinical outcomes. 
You also linked Medicare claims data with the National Cardiovascular Data Registry's ICD registry from 2010 to 2015. The study included 30,134 patients across 1377 hospitals. The median rate of CRTD implantation in those meeting guideline indications was, 89, was 89%, but there was a wide variation across hospitals. Differences in hospital CRTD utilization was associated with 8.76%, 5.26%, and 4.71% of differences in hospital mortality, readmissions, and cardiac readmission rates, respectively. The authors conclude that there is a wide variation in the use of CRTD across hospitals that was not explained by case mix. Hospital level variation of CRTD utilization was associated with clinically significant differences in outcomes. A measure of CRTD utilization in eligible patients may serve as a useful metric for quality improvement efforts. The next one is clinical risk prediction score for post-operative accelerated junctional rhythm and junctional ectopic tachycardia in children with congenital heart disease. This was a retrospective cohort study of children aged 0 to 18 years undergoing cardiac surgery from 2011 to 2018. Among 6,364 surgeries, accelerated junctional rhythm occurred in 215 or 3.4% and the junctional ectopic tachycardia in 59 or 0.9%. Age, heterotaxy syndrome, aortic cross clamp time, ventricular septal defect closure and atrial ventricular canal repair were independent predictors of AJR and JET on multivariate analysis and included in the risk predicting score. The model accurately predicted risk of these arrhythmias with a C-index of 0.72. The authors conclude that this novel risk prediction score for post-operative AJR and JET the authors conclude that this novel risk prediction score for post-operative AJR and JET permits early identification of at-risk patients who may benefit from prophylactic treatment. Next up is high-density electroanatomical activation mapping to guide slow pathway modification in patients with persistent left superior vena cava. Seven patients with persistent left superior vena cava and do AV nodal physiology who underwent slow pathway mod modification using 3D electroanatomic mapping were included. Slow pathway ablation targets were consistently identified by area in the right atrial septum with the latest activation time and the multi-component atrial electrogram adjacent to a region with isochronal crowding or the deceleration zone. In persistent left superior vena cava patients, these targets were located at or within one centimeter of the mid-anterior coronary sinus ostium. Ablation in this area led to successful slow pathway modification. The authors conclude that the high-resolution activation mapping of the cock triangle in sinus rhythm can facilitate localization and safe slow pathway ablation in patients with persistent left superior vena cava. The next paper is 
combination of slow pathway late activation maps and voltage gradient maps in guidance of atrial ventricular nodal reentrant tachycardia cryoablation. The purpose of this study was to investigate the effectiveness of slow pathway late activation mapping, or SPLAN, and voltage gradient mapping for AVNRT cryoablation. The study and the control groups comprised 36 and 37 patients, respectively. Compared to controls, the number of cryomapping attempts and the cryoablation applications were significantly lower in the study group. There were no differences of recurrence rate. The authors conclude that for AVNRT cryoablation, SPLAN could effectively guide the localization of slow pathway ablation sites and was particularly beneficial in patients with multiple slow pathways. Up next is bilateral cardiosympathetic denervation in patients with congenital long QT syndrome. The authors performed a retrospective review of 234 out of 1,638 patients with long QT syndrome who underwent sympathetic denervation of 14% at their institution to identify the subset of patients who underwent bilateral cardiac sympathetic denervation. They found only 11 patients, so 4.7% had bilateral cardiac sympathetic denervation. The authors conclude that less than 5% of all patients receiving denervation therapy underwent bilateral cardiac sympathetic denervation. When bilateral cardiac sympathetic denervation was chosen, it was almost always done in a staged sequential manner beginning with left cardiac sympathetic denervation first and when driven by the arrhythmogenicity of long QT substrate, despite otherwise optimized guideline-directed therapies. The next paper is contemporary review titled Blocking Nerves and Saving Lives, Left Stellar Ganglion Block for Electrical Storms. The authors reviewed the evolution in our understanding of the mechanism of action of stellar ganglion block, discussed the current approaches and their limitations, and reveal the correct indications that overcome still existing biases. Furthermore, the authors proposed a practical solution to increase the availability of stellar ganglion block to more patients by extending the number of centers where this approach can be rapidly implemented. This issue of the journal also published a hands-on article titled How to Perform Castor Ablation of Atrial Tachyarrhythmia After the Fontaine Operation. The objective of this article is to provide a practical overview of key elements required to safely and effectively perform castor ablation of atrial tachyarrhythmias in patients with Fontaine surgery. The next article is a creative concept article titled Reinventing Larry's approach for epicardial mapping, the closed pericardiostomy technique. The authors described the logistics of a creative approach combining percutaneous epicardial access with pericardiostomy, which is performed via a mini subxiphoid incision that is closed upon gaining epicardial access before the initiation of epicardial mapping. We published two research letters. The first one is titled, What is a safe distance for delivering pulse field ablation near coronary arteries? The authors conclude that delivering two kilovolt PFA 
from a linear cluster with a biphasic bipolar waveform at a distance of greater than 6.5 millimeter from a coronary artery seems to be safe. The second one is titled The Need for a Universal Retrieval Tool for Counter-Traction for the Removal of Lila's Pacemakers Regardless of Manufacturer. The authors demonstrate the safety and efficacy of both acute and chronic Lila's Pacemaker Retrievals using a universally implemented retrieval tool meant for single operative use. We published an in-memoriam to mourn the loss of Dr. Patrick Chu, a pioneer in clinical cardioelectrophysiology, an outstanding teacher, and a renowned scientist. Dr. Chu died from lung cancer at the age of 73 on April 18, 2023. His death marks a great loss for family, friends, and colleagues. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For, car, for Heart Rhythm, I'm the Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Peng Xian Chen.